Well, hello there. This is episode number 140 of the Keto Diet Podcast, and I'm here in my new studio, aka a bedroom. (laughs) I hope the audio is really great today. I found a little corner of our boat that is awesome for recording in, and I can't wait to chat with you guys all about mushrooms for different ailments, getting over the weirdness of mushrooms, how to not eat a mushroom, and you might be thinking, mushrooms, seriously, Anne? That's disgusting. But wait, Hold that thought because this is actually a pretty interesting topic. And if you have questions about today's content, you can go to healthfulpursuit.com slash contact and ask me. Today's podcast extra transcript and all the extra bonuses that you can find for today's episode can be found at healthfulpursuit.com slash podcast slash E140. I got one cool thing for you today, and that is that I'm giving away a $500 pantry bundle to one lucky pre-orderer. And if you're like, what is a (laughs) pre-orderer? My newest cookbook, the Keto Diet Cookbook, hits shelves in just a couple of days, actually April 9th, 2019. And it's a complete roadmap to preparing keto meals based on your hunger level without having to rely on macro counting, calorie tracking. And it's complete with 141 recipes, all complete meals, so you don't have to worry about pairing the pot roast with other sides and balancing out your macros. And when you pre-order by going to ketodietbook.com, there are a bunch of ways to pre-order on that page. You are entered to win $500 worth of pantry items. That's for all American listeners. And if you're from Canada, like, what about me? When you pre-order, you are entered to win a $600 Amazon gift card. That is epic. I can't wait. If you've already ordered the Keto Diet Cookbook, you need to enter to win this as well. You can go to ketodietbook.com, click on the free with your copy link at the top of the page, enter in your details, and you are entered to win. And if you haven't already pre-ordered the book and you're thinking about getting the book, now is the time because you get entered to win this awesome bundle. You get meal plans, food charts, a bunch of extra freebies for ordering, plus you pay less than other people will when the book goes live. So you can go to ketodietbook.com, select how you want to pre-order, pre-order, then go to ketodietbook.com again, click on the free with your copy link, enter your details, and you will be entered to win, plus receive a bunch of extra bonuses. Okay, let's do this thing. Welcome to the Keto Diet Podcast, the show all about keto for women so you can burn fat, balance your hormones, and heal your body. If you're new around these parts, I'm Leanne Vogel. You may know me as the international best-selling author of The Keto Diet and author of the upcoming paperback book, Keto for Women, where I'm showing you how to take charge of the imbalances that are ruling your life so you can discover your happy weight in three easy steps. Or you may know me as the nutritionist that likes dipping pork rinds in avocado oil mayo. I'm so glad you're here with me today, and thanks so much for listening. Today's guest is Taro Isakapila, I hope I said that right, who is the founder of Four Sigmatic, a nature-centric Finnish-American company specializing in functional mushrooms, superfoods, and adaptogens. Taro's roots are in Finland, where he grew up foraging for mushrooms and other wild foods on his family farm. He later earned a degree in chemistry, business, and a certificate in plant-based nutrition at Cornell University. In 2012, Taro founded Four Sigmatic with a dream of bringing a little everyday magic to everyone. Four Sigmatic is a partner of the Keto Diet Podcast, but that's not the focus today. I wanted to have Tara on the show to talk about something I get asked about all the time, 
mushrooms. So without further ado, let's cut over to today's interview. Hey, how's it going? Great. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, of course, Daryl. This is so great to have you on. I like to ask all of my guests this initial question just to see where their brain's at. And my question to you is, what does health mean to you? That's a very good question. When I was a kid and my mom taught physiology and anatomy and and uh, I, I studied this classical book from, I think, 50s or 60s, and health was defined as absence of disease. And I always thought that can't be the case. It needs to uh, be more than that. So I don't have a beautiful, well-defined answer, but it's more than just an absence of disease. I know this word thriving versus surviving gets thrown out a lot. I, I think there's many kinds of thriving, but I think health is something where you are fulfilling, or at least the, your health is not preventing you from fulfilling kind of your best self emotionally and mentally. I think the physical body is just the kind of the, the base layer. I don't think it's the ultimate level. I think there's mental and emotional and spiritual levels beyond that. But I think if you don't have that base layer settled, then it's kind of hard to get anything done. And how did you get into what you do now? Like, how, what was that transition like for you? Well, I already kind of diluted it indirectly with my mother. And then my father's family has had a farm for 13 years or 13 generations or 12 generations. My father and me and my brother are the 13th. And, and uh, through my dad, who's an agronomist, and my mom, who's you know a professor and teacher in, in the human body, learning from both of them. And that's kind of sparked the way. And then later I studied chemistry and nutrition, but you know I wouldn't be there without the teachings of my parents and my lineage. And why mushrooms? I say that they chose me, I didn't choose them because a lot of people know me for the mushroom part, but my original love was like wild berries. And there's so many other things that I'm like herbalism, optimal human performance that I'm like equally passionate about mushrooms, but they kept coming over and over. So I grew up forging for mushrooms as a kid. And, and then about 13-ish years ago, I discovered a rare mushroom in Finland, won an innovation award for it. And, but just the multiple times in my life, mushrooms kept coming back to my life. And I'm pretty intense learner. So I like to learn things quite intensively. And the, and mushrooms been a topic where after spending a decade plus studying them, I don't know anything really. It's one of those topics where the deeper you go, the more you realize you have no clue. And that keeps me excited because I keep learning new things around mushrooms that I didn't know before. Totally. And I don't know much about them, but I know they make me feel good. So (laughs) (laughs) that's, that's important. No. Yeah, exactly. Back to today's episode in a sec. Some people choose to do plant-based keto. Others do carnivore keto. And I'd like to think I'm somewhere in the middle, loving meat and plants. I thrive on the right kind of animal protein, protein from healthy animals, animals that get treated fairly, have happy lives on pasture and are raised ethically. This is why I choose to eat grass fed and finished beef, free range chicken, heritage bred pork and wild fish. And I'm so happy I can get these options from ButcherBox, a meat subscription service I've used since 2016. 
2019. Listeners of the show get $20 off plus free ground beef for life. What does this mean? Well, if you head on over to butcherbox.com slash keto diet and sign up as a new member, you'll receive two pounds of ground beef in every order for the life of your subscription. This offer is only valid for the month of March 2019. So you can go to butcherbox.com slash keto diet to get $20 off your first order plus free ground beef for life. Okay, back to today's episode. Would you consider mushrooms to be a supplement? Like I, I feel like a lot of people feel like it's a nice to have, but what are your thoughts on whether or not it's a supplement or how do you, how do you consider them? So mushrooms by itself is definitely not a supplement. It is a food. It's a whole food. It's generally regarded as safe. It's a lot of things, but mushrooms can be made into a supplement, a mushroom by processing or extracting certain parts of the mushroom, but by its core definition, it's a kingdom in biology and it's a food and it's one of the primal foods, actually a more primal food than any plant or animal you can ever eat. So if you go full primal, so uh, mushrooms have existed for 2.4 billion years, longer than any animal or plant. So, you know, once us and our pre-humans started walking, there was already been mushrooms for, you know, a couple billion plus 2 billion years. So it's one of the most primal things you can ever eat. Maybe second only to phytoplankton, which is something that is even older than, than uh, mushrooms. But it is definitely a food, but it can be made into a supplement. But by its core, it's, it's super ancient and real food. Okay. Okay. And so there's different, it, is it fair to say there's different mushrooms for different things? Like different mushrooms do different things. Is that fair 100%. to say? 100%. When something is a kingdom... If there's kingdoms like bacteria, different bacteria do th different things. Some bacteria is good for you. Some bacteria is really bad for you. Animal products. There's many kinds of animals. There's many kinds of animal species. Even within the same genus, let's say a cow, there's so many varieties of different types of cattle breed, and they all are quite different. And what obviously in the paleo community, we're focused on what has the cow or animal eaten? What what is it? What has it been consuming? But just even within the same genus, there's many varieties and many quality factors and mushrooms are no different. There is about 1.5 million different types of fungi, which means that there are six times more different types of mushrooms than there are different types of plants. So for every zucchini, there's six different mushrooms. For every tomato, there's six different kinds of mushrooms. So there's a lot of them and some of them are really bad for you, like molds and things like that. But then certain things are really good for you and, and they might be good for you in different ways. And they can serve similar body functions, but also very different body functions. Like most of them are good for the, the top functional mushrooms are great for your gut and immunity, but then they also might have a special skill like brain power or something like that. Okay. Which are your top three favorite mushrooms of all time? That's a very good question because I feel like they're all my babies or I'm, I'm a servant to all of them. But I think I tell people when they're confused of like, oh, there's so many different kinds of mushrooms. I don't know where to start. I I say that when in doubt, start with reishi mushroom or R-E-I-S-H-I. And some of these mushroom names are quite exotic because they come from places like Japan, like reishi or shiitake or maitake and okitake, and uh, hence the more exotic names. But reishi is the most studied of all the functional mushrooms. And I think that's a great mushrooms to start. The other one I would say is shiitake, which is the second most cultivated mushroom only after the butter mushroom and super nutrient dense as well. And then chaga. C H 
A G A, which is like the king of all medicinal mushrooms. So if Rishi's the queen, Chaga's the king, and then maybe shiitake for just how widely available it is. I am never going to be able to put mushrooms in my coffee again without thinking of kings and queens. So thank you for yeah. that. <laughs> you know, it's like coffee is good with the king because coffee is a very masculine plant. It's a very, you know, put your, you know, focus and just get done type of a thing. And that's a very masculine vibe versus like, I think chocolate and cacao is much more feminine energy, more nurturing, more, you know, grounding in many ways, still fun and playful. But so I think Rishi is great with chocolate and chaga is great with coffee. Yeah. I'm like a Rishi girl. If I had to choose one, I mean, I don't know all of them. I only know the ones that you guys put in your products, but I would say Rishi is probably my favorite. Yeah. It's very soothing and grounding and nurturing like women are. Yeah, I need more of that in my life. Totally. Yeah. I hope you're totally digging this episode. I love putting these together every week and I hope you're getting something out of it. I love seeing where you're listening from. So next time you're listening or even right now, take a picture of yourself watching the show or a screenshot of your favorite episode and tag me on Instagram at healthful pursuit. And if social isn't your thing, that's totally fine. Just jump on your favorite podcast player and leave a review for the show. Okay, back to the good stuff. I get the question a lot, like I've made Instagram stories and shared Four Sigmatic on podcasts. And my number one question is always, that sounds really gross. Why would you eat mushrooms and ruin coffee and chocolate with mushrooms? That sounds, ew. Do you get that question a lot? And how do you manage that? Because I don't think they taste, ew. I really like the taste. But I I think probably I've heard every possible mushroom pun and (laughs) and negative comment of you if you heard of mushrooms. So when I started the business and my dream was to get the world drinking mushrooms, it's a pretty radical idea. I still is, but especially like five, six years ago. So I've definitely heard all kinds of comments. One of the more common comments is what you just said is that, hey, I don't like the taste of mushrooms. And there's a couple of things that are kind of flawed in that thinking. One is that all of those 1.5 million types of mushrooms will taste the same, same way as not all plants taste like cabbage or something like that. There's many flavors in vegetables. There's many flavors in animal products. So why wouldn't there be more flavors in mushrooms? And the answer is there obviously is. There's a chicken of the woods that tastes like chicken. There's lobster mushroom that tastes like lobster. So many different types of mushrooms. Yes. And Most of these top mushrooms don't taste like your cremini, portobello, butter mushroom. They taste more like black tea. They're very earthy, if not even bitter. So when you put them in coffee, and I've done plenty of blindfold tests to say, but 99% of people will not know that something's in their coffee or in their chocolate. They're just not going to notice. It will taste like coffee. It will taste like chocolate. So cool. I didn't know. I I didn't know there could be so many flavors, but I guess logically that makes a bunch of sense. And by the way, there's a lot of places where fungi are used for gut health indirectly, or like kombucha is a symbiotic relationship between bacteria and fungi using sugar and black tea to ferment this like wholesome beverage. Fungi or type of yeast are also used in bread, wine, beer. So if you have dry farm wines, wine, you're using mushrooms indirectly as well. We love dry farm wines over mm-hmm. here. And that is of course, <laughs> who doesn't? So. Right? Seriously. Um, I we... don't get paid to say that. So. <laughs> Neither do I. Um, yeah. 
It's so great. Um, we actually got a shipment of dry farm wines recently and like all the boaters drink and we're not big drinkers. And so our friends on boats knew that when our shipment came in, they saw the box go to the boat. And then I got a text message. Hey, what are you doing in about an hour? Can we come over and play cards against yeah. humanity? And I knew all they wanted was the wine and not the good company. <laughs> well, maybe they wanted both. Perhaps, perhaps. <laughs> and yeah. what, what have you seen just over the course of your relationship with mushrooms? What have you seen them do for people? Like, I'm sure you get stories or you see stuff maybe with your staff or with yourself. Well, it depends on the mushrooms. Like I said, there's many types of effects and I kind of diluted some of the more universal effects of mushrooms. So one is immunity. Mushrooms role is in the environment is to protect the forest or the ecosystem and its immunity. They're probably most studied for immune function, which is very boring for most people because people don't care for immunity until they're sick. And by the way, you can be, have a, a weak immune system when you get a flu, cough, or if it prolongs, maybe cancer. But you can also have a too strong immune system or hyperactive immune system where your body will start attacking healthy cells. These are often like autoimmune disorders, MS disease, Crohn's disease, arthritis, all that kind of stuff. And the most studied compound in all of these mushrooms are these polysaccharides that modulate the immune system. So either speeds it up if needed or slows it down. It's kind of like setting your boat or car on cruise control in a certain speed. And then it kind of like goes faster or slower depending on external circumstances. So I haven't been sick in one day in over 11 years. So I think immune system is one thing that a lot of people report to. And I travel a lot. So I think the other one is gut health. There's a lot of research now coming on gut biome. And I think, again, that impacts skin quality, brain function, immune system. So gut health is so, you know, multifaceted and impacts so many other body functions. But I would say through gut health, a lot of people report better digestive system, maybe a clearer mind, less brain fog, maybe an improved skin quality. But then there's specific mushrooms that people report different things like cordyceps, or it's also nicknamed as cordyceps. A lot of people report massive libido and, and it's an aphrodisiacs, you know, reishi people report to like that calming grounding vibe, maybe deeper sleep quality. If they do, if they use a sleep tracker, they often notice better sleep quality scores on their sleep trackers. Again, there's so many different mushrooms, different functions. So it's kind of no hard to know where to start. Yeah. And then chaga is good for like focus, right? Is that chaga? Or is no, that's a lion's mane. Lion's mane and chaga. Think of like the mane of a lion, like the brain. Oh. It's really good for like nerve growth factors. Brilliant. And yeah, chaga is great for uh, very high amounts of antioxidants. And I know that gets thrown a lot in the supplement health food circles, like, oh, antioxidants. But there's many kinds of antioxidants. Some are better than other antioxidants. There's also huge differences in amount of antioxidants that you can have, like a cup of chaga dual extracted wild chaga would equal to like 30 pounds of carrots in antioxidants. So it's pretty potent and it's very high in a couple specific antioxidants like melanin that is good for the skin or SOD, superoxase dismutase, which is one of the best antioxidants in the world. So I had no idea. I'm learning so much. Back to today's episode in a sec. 
Today's episode is sponsored by Perfect Keto. Perfect Keto creates the ultimate products for making the keto lifestyle easier and more effective. All of their products are dairy-free, made in the USA, gluten-free, doctor-approved, and use zero fillers. From exogenous ketones to boost your ketone levels for mental clarity, keto bars for a quality fat snack, MCT oil powder for making your coffee fatty and creamy without the dairy, and so much more. You can get 20% off anything in their shop by going to perfectketo.com slash KDP. Use the coupon code KDP for your 20% off anything your heart desires. If you're unsure of the link, simply check out today's show notes for all the details. Okay, back to today's episode. Another question I had when it comes to mushrooms and food preparation, what about heating or preparing or do we need to worry about like, I only see these sorts of mushrooms as powders in bags at the health food store. Do I need to worry about baking with them, adding hot water to them? What's the deal with that? So here's uh, one of the key rules. Uh, The other key rule besides the fact that mushrooms are not plants where we kind of started is that mushrooms are their own kingdom. The second golden rule around mushrooms is that never eat them raw. Never, ever eat them raw. They have this cellular structure called chitin, and certain mushrooms are more like edible and certain mushrooms are inedible without you knowing what that exactly means. You just got to know that you want to somehow extract the goodness out of mushrooms and don't have them raw. And what this could mean is usually it applies heat and lipids into mushrooms. So sauteing them on butter, putting them in soups where there's another like a fat in it, but you definitely want to apply heat and fats to it. When you buy these powders that you mentioned in health food stores, if you buy a high quality product, it's already gone through this process and that's where the value actually is. But if you prepare it at home, if you go to farmer's market, get a beautiful fresh lion's mane, don't eat it raw, don't put it on your salad, saute, cook it, fry it. Like It really likes heat and fat. So applying both is improves the flavor, but also makes it more nutritionally available. Very cool. Okay. So you were chatting about powders, preparation. So that made me think just like with other keto supplements, I mean, MCT oil powder is a really good example of there are really good MCT oil powders and really, really bad MCT oil powders where they're adding like fillers and sweeteners and not listing products. Do you find that with the creation of mushroom supplements or powders that there's a right and a wrong way to prepare them? Oh, 100%. And actually, most mushroom supplements kind of, you know, I really don't focus on this topic that much because I think like it's more important that people get educated on the health benefits, but there's huge differences. I'll just give a couple. I mean, I'll give you three. There's so many. But one is that most mushroom supplements are grown on grains. They don't grow in their native environment, which is usually trees. Most good mushrooms grow out of trees. And mushrooms don't have starches naturally in them, but when you grow them in grains, they will have starches. So this kind of raises a topic around paleo, gut-friendly diet. I mean, there's so many ways to approach it, but a lot of people don't handle starches well. Also, a lot of people don't handle grains that well. I mean, some do, some don't, and there's many kinds of grains, but nevertheless, like that's one. You don't want mushrooms grown on grains. You want mushrooms grown in their native environment, which tends to be usually trees, either wild or log-grown. The other thing is that mushrooms in nature their role is to remove toxins. So that's what they do. And that's kind of what they do in your body as well. Like reishi is great for the liver, yada, yada, yada. But you want to get a product that is certified organic. You don't probably want to buy a product that says like, we're better than organic or we're like, 
organic when inhalable. Like you probably want something that is proven not to have pesticides and then heavy metals. So you want a product that is also tested for heavy metals. A lot of brands don't test them for heavy metals. So if you end up getting mushrooms also at farmer's market, it's better to know where they come from and how they're grown. And maybe the final one I would say is it relates to the extractions that just don't buy raw unextracted mushrooms by products that have been prepared because that preparation can take days or weeks depending on what mushroom we're talking about okay and can you combine them like if you want the power of i don't know cordyceps and lion's mane together is that yeah 100 percent. so think of mushrooms and the polysaccharides that they contain that we talked about earlier think of them like dark leafy greens so why do you eat dark leafy greens? There's minerals, there's vitamins, but one of the main compounds is chlorophyll. And you can have many opinions about different diets. Should you be high fat, low fat, you know, whatever it is. But one of the common themes that almost everybody seems to agree on is that chlorophyll is good for our blood and our body, right? So you want to get some sort of green product in your body every day. Probably eating a big salad is one of the easiest, but dark leafy greens, good for you. Same you can say about these polysaccharides. They're among the most studied foods in the world. And you want to somehow probably get these polysaccharides into your body. Mushrooms are not the only source of them, but you can get them in very high amounts from them. And like, and usually sometimes more gut friendly, like other sources include like oats. But nevertheless, same way as you don't want to always eat spinach, you want to have arugula, you want to have wild nettle, dandelion. You kind of just want to mix up your dark leafy greens, same way you want to mix up your mushrooms because you get slightly different compounds from different things. And you can definitely have arugula and spinach on the same salad, same way you can have a lion's mane and cordyceps on the same smoothie or cup of coffee. Okay, totally makes sense. And you wrote a book. Can you tell yes. us more about it and kind of what inspired you to put yourself through book writing? <laughs> yeah, my first book I actually wrote in my early 20s. It was a philosophy book. And it was never published in the US. And I think I'll do it. We're going to rerun after 20 years or something like that. And then last year, I wrote a health book slash cookbook called Healing Mushrooms that kind of explains the top 10 medicinal mushrooms in the world and their health benefits and research and then how to cook with them. So there's like 50 recipes, anything from like mushroom bacon to uh, mushroom ice cubes and lion's mane whiskey and whatever. And then this year, I wrote a a children's book for adults called Santa Soul Shrooms, which explains the origin story of Santa Claus, which, who is arguably the world's most famous person beyond any religion or culture. And I've, uh, over the years, I've been planning to write this book for many years. And I realized when talking to people that almost nobody knows what a Santa come from the chimney, why the reindeer is involved, how did the elves come about? And every time I tell the story, why are these things happening? People are like shocked. They're like, I didn't have no clue. And so I just felt like I needed to do the story. So okay, can you Santa tell us the Santa chimney thing? Like, why did that come about? <laughs> sure. So the story of Santa Claus, kind of taking two steps back, is roughly five thousand years old, and it's traveled to multiple cultures. It got to the U.S. by the Dutch. The Dutch got it from the Germans. Germans got it from the Italians. Italians stole the story from the Turkish. Saint Nicholas, which a lot of people think is German, is actually from Turkey. But there's no reindeers in Turkey. So they got it from elsewhere and it's traveled through the Slavic countries to this indigenous group of people, people called the Sami. And they're also known as the reindeer people. They are hosting the native population of reindeer, which, you know, obviously makes sense. And they live above the Arctic Circle and they're semi-nomadic. So they like move within a certain region, but not all the time. 
and they live in these big teepees. Some it's called Labu or Kota, depending on the tribe. But the Labu or Kota is like a mix between a teepee and a yurt. You know, it's made out of reindeer skin and mud and moss and rocks and whatnot. And it's above the Arctic Circle, so it's always cold. And in the winter, it could get like minus 20 Fahrenheit. So insanely cold. So there's a fire inside to stay warm, obviously. And in that teepee or that lavu, there's a hole on the top just to get the smoke out. Obviously, you don't want the smoke inside the tent. And, uh, and then the family is, is sleeping there. And, and the Santa, who was a shaman, would come in during winter solstice, which is Christmas, to do a ceremony in this family. But sometimes if there's a lot of snowfall, you might get snowed in. There's a small, really narrow entrance into the teepee, the lavu. And sometimes it's full of snow, so you can't get out. So there's a secondary exit was through the roof where the hole was in this lavu, so you could exit through that. And that's why Santa comes through the chimney. Wow. I had no idea. <laughs> yeah, many people didn't. So hence the book, and it's a fun read, and it's made for like a children's book. Obviously, um, it's more made for adults, but you know, made in a, where there's illustrations and it's in a story format through the eyes of a 10 year old little girl, just to make it more fun because the story of Santa Claus was originally a bedtime story in a way. And that's why I wanted to write a bedtime story. That is too cool. And do you have kids? I don't, I don't actually, but I have a nephew. Very and cool. So it's dedicated to him. So. Oh, that's too cool. How old is your nephew? It's pretty much exactly a one year old. Uh, a little, a little over. Oh, now, so. wow. That's so interesting. That's really cool. I think it's, it can be really challenging as an entrepreneur that's passionate about something to just like do that all the time. I find it really inspiring that you're doing something completely different. Yeah. I mean, not to spoil the story. There's also mushrooms involved in oh. the story. <laughs> hence, <laughs> hence the book's name is Santa Salt Shrooms. But yeah, I mean, definitely it's not directly tied into Four Sigmatic, but I think I think a lot of people will enjoy the story and get more interested in mushrooms through that as well. Mm. So if, you know, for myself, when people ask me about keto, I always have this like one thing that if I could tell just everyone in the world to do one thing, it would just be like to eat more coconut oil. Is there mm -hmm. for you, is it, you know, with mushrooms and just everything you've learned about health, is there just one thing that you wish that everyone could know about mushrooms? Yeah, I, I have a, a meta answer. I think and it might sound esoteric at first, but I think they have a higher level of intelligence than any other living being on planet Earth. And that might be hard to grasp if someone who has not studied mycology and doesn't understand how mushroom mycelial biomass is everywhere in the world and how they operate in our ecosystem. And or So it's kind of hard to explain. But from a more practical point of view, Mushrooms are among the most researched foods in the world. And for example, the reishi mushroom that you love was already in traditional Chinese medicine 2000 years ago. Materia Medica ranked as the number one thing you can eat. It was beyond the ginsengs. It was the beyond the stragglers and the, the other sea buckthorns of the world. It was the number one healthiest thing you can have. It's incredibly well studied and incredibly versatile for a lot of things that our bodies can help. So I think everybody would benefit from uh, having these polysaccharides in our body on a daily basis. And reishi might be the best way to start using it in chocolate or maybe using chaga in coffee or something like that. It's also very good in popsicles. I make like a coconut milk reishi popsicle and it 
I it's I have at least one a day. All your boating neighbors will come then as well. It's more <laughs> wine and reishi popsicles. Take all the reishi you can. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, calm down. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I love it. And where can people find more from you? Well, I'm not that public of a person, but if you got interested in mushrooms, I have a mushroom academy online. So if you just Google mushroom academy, you'll find it. And it is a completely 100% free online e-learning course. There's three levels, depending how advanced you want to get to learn about benefits of mushrooms. Again, 100% free. There's no credit cards involved or anything like that. Just something I've spent a decade answering people these questions. It was eventually just easiest to make a video. So I don't have to answer it 150,000 times, but just like check out the video. And every course takes about one hour of content and then some quizzes and information. So I think it's pretty useful. The, the other one, the book Healing Mushrooms is also, uh, you can find it Amazon, Barnes and Noble, whatever. And that's also a good starting point. And if you got interested in the Santa Soul shrooms, you can get it on Amazon. It's a great white elf and secret Santa gift. And then other than that, my company Four Sigmatic is everywhere, YouTube, social, whatnot. It's F-O-U-R-S-I-G-M-A-T-I-C. And you can find us there. Cool. And we'll include all the links in the show notes for everything that you just mentioned, if people aren't sure. And thank you so much for coming on the show, Tara. I really appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. And great to catch up after uh, a while. A while. Yeah. Time effects, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it does. Thanks for listening to the Keto Diet Podcast. Join us again in a couple of days to discover more Keto for Women secrets for your fat-fueled life. The Keto Diet Podcast, including show notes and links, provides information in respect to healthy living, recipes, nutrition, and diet, and is intended for informational purposes only. The information provided is not a substitute for medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment, nor is it to be construed as such. We cannot guarantee that the information provided on the Keto Diet Podcast reflects the most up-to-date medical research. Information is provided without any representations or warranties of any kind. Please consult a qualified physician for medical advice and always seek the advice of a qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding your health and nutrition program.